I am so glad to see you. You are the brave ones. You've come to the second service. We had a good crowd the first service, but I think they were afraid of the rain. But watching the weather report, and I think we're going to beat the rain and plenty of time today. I want to say thank you so much for social distancing, for wearing your mask and things like that. You know, I got a call this morning from two more people who have come down with the COVID virus. And so we want to keep them in prayer, but I want to say thank you for being sure to, to do the right thing. You're loving God by also loving people and doing the right thing. And today I'd like to talk to you about how you can be happy even in the middle of a crisis, even in the middle of something like what we're going on in America <clears throat> right now. In 2005 and 2006, the Gallup poll did a survey of people around the world. This was an interesting survey to me because it was a global survey of over 112 nations, I believe. And believe it or not, the people who live in the most stressful environments report being the happiest people. The people who live in the least stressful environments report being the least happy people. And the United States ranks very high and the Philippines ranks very high. As a matter of fact, the Philippines took the 67th spot. They were ranked as one of the most stressful nations, and yet they were ranked as one of the happiest nations in the earth, on the earth. And of course, I'm saying that because we have quite a few Filipino families who call Woodland our home. But the United States ranked very high there as well. But anyway, the researchers called this the stress paradox. In other words, happy lives, according to them, happy lives are not stress-free lives. And a stress-free life doesn't guarantee a happy life. And the thing that really caught me with this is I can't tell you how many people have said to me, you know, I can't wait till I retire. I'm so tired of the stress. I'm going to be so happy when I retire. Or I can't wait till the kids are out of the house. I'm so tired of the stress. It's going to be so happy when the kids are out of the house. But there seems to be a correlation with stress and happiness. And of course, nobody lived a more stressful life than perhaps the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter. Or think about Jesus, the life and the stress that he was under during his ministry. Think about King David. And David was the one who wrote and said, you know, happy is the one whose sins are forgiven. It was Peter who wrote about the happiness and the joy that we could experience in the first and the second epistles of Peter that we've been studying in our midweek service. It was Paul who would write from a Roman prison and saying, rejoice always. So today, I'd like to talk to you for just a few minutes about the secret of happiness or learning how to be happy. And I don't often refer people to my experiences in life because my experiences are no more important than any other's experiences. However, I would just hopefully you'll listen to me based upon my experiences with the Word of God through a number of different situations that I've walked through in life of how you can live a happy life. I remember during the economic crisis that we experienced, the absolute total meltdown that we experienced here in the metro area in 2006 to about 2009. People were losing their homes. People were losing their jobs. We lost so many families that were being moved out of state during that time. But I went back again this week, and we kept track of this during that economic crisis. Not one family in our church that I'm aware of, and I checked again this week, 
lost their home during that crisis. We had people lose their jobs. We had people that somehow or another miraculously God provided. We found out that jobs, having a good job is a blessing. You know, we talk about this in our stewardship messages, that work is not the curse. Work is a blessing. When you find work that is fulfilling and that you enjoy, that's a blessing in your life. And so today, I would like to challenge you, number one, if you want to learn this art of being happy, and happiness is an art, you have to make some choices the way a, an artist makes some choices, and he wants or she wants to capture the mood on canvas or wants to bring something out of the marble that you and I can't see, but with their imagination they see, then you and I, we've got to learn the art of being happy. And God calls us, one of the commands in the scriptures is we're to rejoice always in the middle of a COVID crisis, in the middle of an economic crisis, in the middle of the racial trauma that's affecting our nation right now. God calls us to rejoice always always. And that's what we want to look at for just a few minutes, how you can be happy. And the first thing is learn to live a life of confession and not interrogation. Learn to live a life of confession and not interrogation. And by interrogation, I mean question. And by confession, I mean confessing what the word of the Lord has to say to our lives. You know, when you can confess who God says you are, when you can confess what God says about you and about a circumstance, it changes your perspective on living. And I'm not talking about some silly confession where, you know, we're confessing Cadillacs or Mercedes Benzes. That's, God's not calling us to learn how to be consumers. He's calling us to learn how to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we learned during that time was that you don't have to have a job to provide. That's God's normal way of providing for us. But we saw that God provided for so many people during that time, even when there was not a job for them. If God could take care of Elijah with the ravens, if God could take the <clears throat> fish and the loaves and multiply that to feed the thousands, if God takes care of the sparrows and the lilies of the field, Jesus said, how much more does he care about you and how much more will God take care of you? God has you in your job, and thank God for your job, but God has you in your job not to make money, but to represent him and to minister to people. You're there to serve people and to love God. God provides for your needs as you work, but God has you there in order that you can represent him and be a witness to other people. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, here in prison, everything that has happened to me here in prison has helped to spread the good news. God turned the prison into a pulpit for Paul. And God turned the prison into a pulpit for John Bunyan when he wrote from the Bedfordshire Jail, Pilgrim's Progress. God turned the pulpit into a prison for Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he wrote letters to the inmates from the Flossenburg prison. God turned the prison into a pulpit for Martin Luther King when he wrote letters from a Birmingham jail. God turned the pulpit for Paul. He turned that prison into a pulpit so that Paul could write us the book of Philippians. And friends, what I want you to know is that God can provide for you whatever circumstance, wherever you're at, God has you where you're at. You're not captive by the coronavirus. You're not captive by the economic crisis. You are a captive of Jesus Christ today. That's how the Bible describes us. And that's not a negative thing. I'm captivated by Becky's love. 
I am captivated by her beauty. I'm captivated by her personality. Everything about my wife captures my heart, captures my mind, captures my imagination. And I am captured by the love and the beauty and the grace of God that God could love me and forgive me of my sins is the most captivating thought that I could ever think of. Can you say amen to that? Isn't that what God does in our life? Well, I'm just here to tell you, stop letting the devil walk all over you. I've talked to so many people even this week, frightened and afraid. The folks that I prayed with this morning, some that uh, for whatever the reasons, they've had to close their business or maybe close their church back down because they came inside too quickly. Friends, don't let the devil walk all over you. You belong to Jesus Christ. Use the authority that God has given you in his word. Rather than questioning God, start confessing what God's word says. Rather than questioning, are we ever going to get through this? Is this ever going to end? How much more can we take? Friends, I want you to know, I don't know how long it's going to be. And I don't know how much more the economy can take. I don't know how much more the culture can take. But one thing I know, those that are followers of Jesus Christ, God has said of you and I, we have been made more than conquerors. We have been made more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Whatever happens around us, we are captives of Jesus Christ today. God took Job. And though we may not like it, God took Job and God allowed some bad things to happen to Job. Last week, there was a couple here that was going through a very, very difficult time. I mean, they're going through one of the most challenging times. And after the service, they called me and we talked and we prayed together. But if you remember in the service last week, I talked about sometimes bad things happen to good people that are loving God. But God's promise that we looked at is to those that are loving God, God causes all of those things to work together for your good and for his glory. And it's time we begin to confess that and believe that. Rather than being traumatized by fear, be wise, wear your mask, socially distance, be wise, but confess what the word of the Lord says over you. Job, even though he went through this difficult time, and I love the way Eugene Peterson translated this in the message, he said, still, I know that God lives, the one who gives me back my life. And eventually he'll take his stand on earth and I will see him. Even though I get skinned alive, I'll see God myself with my very own eyes. Oh, how I long for that day. What was John saying? I mean, excuse me, Job saying. Job was saying, whatever, whatever happens, I know that one day I'll see God. This morning in the first service, I was walking across the parking lot with one of the ladies from our congregation who recently lost her mother. Becky has on her bed a quilt that she made for us, and she and I were straightening that out this week, and I looked at that quilt and thought about her and how I miss her and the memory she left for us. And later that day, I walked into my daughter's bedroom and looked on the wall, and there's a quilted hanging that she made for my daughter that's hanging on her wall. And I look around that house, and there are all kinds of little things that she made for us. I am thankful for the memory of her life. But one day, like Job, I am thankful that I will see Christ with her and with my father and with all those that have gone ahead of us. Friends, whether we live or whether we die, we're not going to lose. Christ is Lord of all. Can you say amen to that? So the second thing I'd like you to look at is live a life of confession, not interrogation or questioning all the time, but secondly, live in the Holy Spirit. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I want you to look at this next verse very carefully, Philippians 1.19. And there's a lady in our church that she choreographs all of our, our musicals and things like that that we do. And I can't wait till we can get back together and start on those again. But you're going to love this verse of Scripture. Look at this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Circle that word helps right there in your outline. Just circle that word helps. That's the Greek word that we get our word choreography from. That's the Greek word that we get when someone organizes a dance, when someone puts everything together, when, like when the dance steps for the children are put together, or the moves are put together in one of our plays. You know what that's saying to me? You and I are not living in this time in life and walking through this COVID crisis. You're not, you and I are not here incidentally. We are not here accidentally, but we are here providentially in the will of God. This is where God has put us for such a time as this. It's not a coincidence. It's God's providence that we are here during this time. It's His providence that we're here to represent Him, to offer hope and to offer life to other people. One of my Muslim friends asked me not long ago, he says, you believe in three gods. I said, oh no, we believe in one God. We believe in one eternal God. And he looks at me and he says, but you believe that Jesus is God. And I go, yes, but God is one. It's a mystery. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it was kind of confusing. So I explained it to him like this. You know, the mystery of, of the Godhead, we're never going to demystify that mystery. We're never going to take that mystery apart. But listen to this. God is spirit, the Bible says. So God the Father is God without skin. God incarnate is Jesus. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to become a man. He took on flesh. That's what the incarnation means. So God the Son is Jesus with skin. And God the Holy Spirit is whom God has sent to us when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ to come live within us so that's God in my skin. So the confession of Christians is we believe in one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God without skin, God with skin, and God inside my skin. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? That's how God lives and reveals himself inside of us. Paul is saying, I am going to continue to serve the Lord. I am going to rejoice. I'm going to live a happy life, whether I'm in prison or whether I'm set free, whether I have plenty or whether I have very little. He said, I both know how to abound and I know how to live in poverty, but I'm going to rejoice always because I am living my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. He knows that God is the great choreographer. He knows that God is the one that's organizing the dance for you and I. Anybody can say Romans 8, 28, when you're living in a palatial home and you've got plenty of food and you've got a good job and you're driving a nice car. Anybody can say praise God when things are going well. But when you can write Romans 8, 28 from a prison cell and say this, I know that God will work all things for my good and for his glory. Friends, you are living life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is saying to you and I, that this is an art. This is a secret to living this way. Just a few moments ago, I referred you to Job. And I said, it may make you uncomfortable, but God actually chose Job to walk through that trial. God chose to allow the devil to pick on Job. Now think about that. God chose to allow Job to go through this trial. 
And from chapter 3 of the book of Job to chapter 37, for 35 chapters, God is silent. For 35 chapters, God doesn't say a word. And some of you this morning, you're living in chapter 32. Some of you are living in chapter 33 or maybe even chapter 34. And you may have thought about giving up or you may have thought, where is God? You may have thought, you know, why do I keep on going on? But you've got to hang on because what we've learned through the 2001 dot-com crisis, what we learned through the 2006 and 2009 economic meltdown, what Becky and I learned as youth pastors in a small church in North Georgia when the carpet mill shut down and the church checking account got down to $2.37, what we have learned is that if you can stand the pulling, God will pull you through. God is able to make all grace abound to us at any time no matter what crisis we're going through. And so Job writes another very interesting passage of Scripture, and that's what I want to refer you to next. He says, you've got to live forward, but look backward with thanksgiving. You've got to live forward, but look backwards with thanksgiving. During this time, I have found myself looking back and remembering that crisis that we walked through in 2006. If you remember, we had a total economic meltdown, I already told you about how many people were moving out. If you remember at that time, we built three clinics in Bangladesh. I was asked to come to Bangladesh and to dedicate those clinics and three churches and a school. I went from there to India to preach and to teach. And on the way back home, I was struck with an E. coli virus that involved a three-year battle with health and five major surgeries and all that went on with that. During that time, we never had to let go of a staff member. During that time, we never had to quit supporting missions. During that time, God actually gave us one of our greatest years ever. When I look back at that carpet mill crisis that I just was referring to you a few moments ago, I look back how God provided for our little church way up in rural North Georgia and how God made all things abound to us. I look back to that crisis that we went through just a few years ago, and I know from what we walked through once before, if God did it then, God can do it again. If God did it then, God will do it for you and I. That's the reason that we know that God is the great choreographer. God's power doesn't depend upon the economy. God's power doesn't depend upon the health of the nation. God's presence doesn't depend upon what you and I do. God is here with us in every time of trouble. Can you say amen to that? And God wants to encourage you. This is the reason Paul would write from a Roman jail in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25. Listen, when I visit you again, now there's confidence. Say that word with me confidence. Say it again. Confidence. When I visit you again, you will have good reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of me. And above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. Now, that's what Jesus is saying to you and me during this crisis. No matter what's happening right now, you and I have to live in a way that pleases Christ. You know, in just a few months, we're going to be in the thick of an election year. We're going to be in the thick of some of the worst advertising and political ads that you've ever seen. Come this Thanksgiving, some people's Thanksgiving dinners are going to be marred because they're going to have arguments that are better left at the door. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come this holiday season, some people, when it comes Christmas, they're going to be happy with how the election turned out, and some people aren't. Friends, I'm telling you, we have to live in such a way, whether it's a health crisis, political crisis, racial trauma, economic crisis, we have to live in such a way that brings honor to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not representing Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, or any other kind of Aryans. We are representing Jesus Christ today. Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is the important thing to get. We're representing Christ. So Paul confidently says, when I come to see you again, but I want you to live in a way that pleases Christ. But then look at what else he writes. He says, then whether I visit you or not, I will hear that all of you think alike. I will know that you are working side by side, struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. Now, Paul writes something there that I want you to get. This was a word I never used until I moved to Michigan. This is a good word. I use it when I go home, and people get on to me for using it. But it's a word that works. You've heard it from your teenagers. You've heard it from your wife. You've heard it from your husband. Paul says, whether I visit you or not, you know what he's saying? Whatever. Whatever. How many of you know that word I'm talking about? How many of you have ever said to your wife before, whatever? Yeah. Well, you don't have to clap for that, you know. How many of you have said to your husband before, whatever? And doesn't it just rankle you when your kids look at you and go, whatever, and roll their eyes at you, you know? Sure it does. Paul is looking in the face of the jail cell. He's looking in the face of the devil, and he says, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What I am happy about is that you are working to get others to believe the good news about Jesus Christ. And you do that by living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Soren Kierkegaard said, life has to live forward, but it can only be understood backwards. And then finally this morning, live wisely but expect a miracle. Live wisely, but expect a miracle. The Apostle Paul was always living on the edge of needing a miracle. Jesus lived his life on the edge of needing a miracle. As a young man, when Becky and I were first starting out in ministry together, I remember one of the pastors that was mentoring us said to us, said, never get yourself so comfortable that you're not in need of a miracle. Always live, always do ministry, always pastor, always work for missions, always serve people, always be in a place where you're going to need a miracle. He wasn't saying being irresponsible with your finances. He wasn't saying be irresponsible with your health. He wasn't saying being irresponsible with your, with your, your diet or anything like that. What he was saying is live wisely, but expect for God to break the yokes and remove the bondages that bind people up and keep them from knowing the happiness and the joy and the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. We can't do that in ourselves. We can only do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that I would say to you today is that with all of my heart, I believe that God has put you and me in a place where we're living on the edge. And probably the most dramatic vista of this that I have in my mind and in my memory was when I was studying in Jerusalem, and I went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I sat for an hour one day praying by those olive trees that were growing from the very roots 
from where the olive trees stood that Jesus prayed at. Gethsemane was where there was an olive press. It was a place of crushing. It was where the olives were crushed so that the olive oil could be extracted. And there Jesus prayed three times before his crucifixion, before his scourging. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Father, I, I, my flesh doesn't want to suffer this way. If there's any other way for people to be saved, let this cup pass from me. But when he prayed it the third time, he prayed the prayer that always overcomes and always conquers. He says, Father, if it's possible, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that is the key to the overcoming life. Because if you want to escape, you can run. If you want to run from the call of God, you can be like Demas who forsook God and forsook the gospel. There are plenty of people like Judas who decide not to believe. But you and I are called to that same place where we live wisely, but we're expecting a miracle. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Sweetheart, if you'd come on up. Whatever happens, would you look at me for just a second? Whatever happens, Corey, bring me one of those Kleenex here, please. Whatever happens, say that with me. Whatever happens, this morning, one of the people that I was praying with on before I came to church spoke with such faith and such confidence I'm sorry this bottle of water leaked all over me when I tried to take a drink and though this wasn't the words they're using they were saying to me whatever happens I know God is in control and that's scary for them they know what one of the ladies in our church just went through he says, well, whatever happens, I know God is in control. Do you know that today? Are you confident of that? Have you been living with stress? Have you been living with fear or worry? Do you know that God is the great choreographer? You can run from his plan for your life. Or you can confess what God says about you. So often we sing here at Woodland, and just before this service, I met with a couple that I'm dedicating their baby in a few weeks. And so while we sat back in the offices in the church, masked up, a little baby frightened because I'm coming out with a mask, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I shouldn't be a masked pastor carrying this little child. And yet we're living wisely, but there's something in me that just knows that God's going to have his hand on that baby during this time. There's something in me that I could share with that couple. God has a plan. You brought a child into this world, you're going to raise a child. This in a world that's going to be changed dramatically different than what you and I have known. But whatever happens, conduct yourself 
in a manner worthy of the gospel. The days of miracles aren't over. Christianity Today interviewed Ian Hutchinson. He is a physicist and an MIT professor. They ask him the question, can a scientist believe in miracles? And this is what Hutchison said. Well, I'm a scientist, and I believe in miracles. So the answer is yes. And then he goes on in the interview. (coughs) And he says, God continuously holds the universe in the palm of his hand. It exists because of his continuous creative power and will. If he were to stop exerting that upholding power and stop paying attention to every part of the universe, it would instantly cease to exist. Look at me. Just the fact that we are here today and just the fact that this planet exists in this mammoth universe is a miracle. Just the fact that you're here this morning or that you're listening online today, it's a miracle. And if God could feed Elijah, if God could feed the 5,000, if God could say to Paul in a Roman prison, and Paul could write it and leave it for you and me, and say, God works all things for the good of those who are loving God, then you and I have a choice. We can choose to believe God and live a happy life, or we can choose to not believe God and to live a stress-filled life without the happiness that God brings. The choice is yours and the choice is mine. Becky has tried to teach me to dance before, unsuccessfully. I look like Elaine from that old Seinfeld episode. But one night, one night in Venice, I had taken her on a midnight gondola ride. We got off the gondola and we were walking across St. Peter's Square at midnight. There was a full moon shining and she took me and there was this little trio playing and she says, let's dance. I said, I don't know how to dance. She says, let's dance. So that night, I think about all the time. Now this is me talking. This is not a choreographer talking. But I danced beautifully that night. You know why I danced beautifully? Because Becky says, put your foot here, put your foot there. Step back, step forward, turn. I had a great choreographer. I want you to know something. You've got a great choreographer. And when he dances with you, you're going to dance like you've never danced before. David says, I will dance with all my heart and all my mind. Amen? Stand with me this morning and let me pray with you before we go. Our Father in heaven, I thank you so much that as we held the bread and we held the cup this morning, we made our confession of faith. It was by your stripes that we are healed. We made our confession of faith that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of our sins. Lord, we make our confession of faith this morning. We can rejoice always. We can be happy because of what you have done for us in Christ. And now, Lord, we want to be in the great dance of life 
whether it's with plenty or whether it's with little, whether it's in times of prosperity or whether it's in times of poverty. God, if we can stand the pulling, you will pull us through. For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray today. Now, God, would you bless your people? Would you cover them with your mercy? Would you cover them with your grace? Lord, would you cause all grace to abound to them? And as 3 John says, Lord, would you cause them to prosper and to be in good health, even as their soul prospers? And Lord, would you let your smile be upon each of us today? For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. Please don't forget to bring your tithes and your offerings on your way out. Help us continue to do what we're doing. If you want to give online, you can give there, or you can text 77977, the keyword Woodland Church, and give by credit card as well. If you gave your heart to Jesus, or if you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning, I'd like to tell you how. It's real simple. All you have to do is to trust what God did when he sent Jesus Christ. Remember I said that you can explain the Trinity like this, God the Father, God without sin, skin, God the Son, God with skin, and God the Holy Spirit, God in your skin. When you give your heart to Jesus and you trust him to save you, it was God who sent his son. You know that verse. Almost everybody in America knows that verse. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Christ came to save you, and if you trust him, he will forgive you, he will give you a brand new life, and then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And if you choose to make that decision today, just ask Christ to forgive you, to come and live inside of you, and send me a message. Email me right here at woodland, or at office at woodland.church, and let me send you this brand new New Believer's Bible. I'm not going to ask you for a donation. I'm not going to come knocking on your door. We just want to help you get started with your faith. So if you'll send us your contact information, we'll send this to you tomorrow morning. God bless you. Thanks for watching today. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. And if you can help us break down, that would be great. And get home before the rain. See you later. <laughs>